welcome to Legendary Emo Dragon Show. I'm your host, Emo Dragon, and today I'll be reading the story of the youth who went forth to learn what fear was by the Brothers Grimm. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. A certain father had two sons, the elder of whom was smart and sensible and could do everything, but the younger was stupid and could neither learn nor understand anything, and when people saw him, they said, There is a fellow who will give his father some trouble. When anything had to be done, it was always the elder who was forced to do it. But if his father asked him to fetch anything when it was late, or in the night time, and the way led to the court of the churchyard, or any other dismal place, he answered, Oh no, father, I'll not go there. It makes me shudder, for he was afraid. Or when stories were told by the fire at night, which made the flesh creep, the listener sometimes said, Oh, it makes us shudder. The younger sat in a corner and listened with the rest of them, and could not imagine what they could mean. They are always saying, it makes me shudder, it makes me shudder. It does not make me shudder, thought he. That, too, must be an art of which I understand nothing. Now it came to pass that his father said to him one day, Listen to me, you fellow in the corner there. You are growing tall and strong, and you too must learn something by which you can earn your living. Look how your brother works, but you do not even earn your salt. Well, father, he replied, I am quite willing to learn something. Indeed, if it could be but managed, I should like to learn how to shudder. I don't understand that at all yet. The elder brother smiled when he heard that and thought to himself, Good God, what a blockhead that brother of mine is. He will never be good for anything as long as he lives. Who wants to be a, He who wants to be a sickle must bend himself early. The father sighed and answered him, you shall soon learn what it is to shudder, but you will not earn your bread by that. Soon after this, the sexton came to the house on a visit, and the father bewailed his trouble and told him how his younger son was so backward in every respect that he knew nothing and learned nothing. Just think, said he, when I asked him how he was going to earn his bread, he actually wanted to learn to shudder. If that be all, replied the sexton, he can learn that with me. Send him to me, and I will soon polish him. The father was glad to do it, for he thought, it will train the boy a little. The sexton, therefore, took him into his house, and he had to ring the bell. After a day or two, the sexton awoke him at midnight, and bade him arise and go up in the church tower and ring the bell. You shall soon learn what shuddering is, thought he, and secretly went there before him. And when the boy was at the top of the tower and turned around, and was just going to take hold of the bell rope, he saw a white figure standing under the stairs opposite the so sounding hole. Who is there? cried he, but the figure made no reply and did not move or stir. Give an answer, cried the boy, or take yourself off. You have no business here at night. The sexton, however, remained standing motionless that the boy might think he was a ghost. The boy cried a second time, What do you want here? Speak if you're an honest fellow, or I'll throw you down the steps. The sexton thought, he can't intend to be as bad as his words, uttered no sound and stood as if he were made of stone. Then the boy called to him for a third time, and that, as that was also to no avail, he ran against him and pushed the ghost down the stairs, so that it fell down ten steps and remained lying there in a corner. Thereupon he rung the bell, went home, and without saying a word went to bed and fell asleep. The sexton's wife waited a long time for her husband, but he did not come back. At length she became uneasy, and wakened the boy, and asked, Do you not know where my husband is? He climbed up the tower before you did. No, I don't know, replied the boy. 
but someone was standing by the sounding hole on the other side of the steps, and as he would neither give an answer nor go away, I took him for a scoundrel and threw him downstairs. Just go there and you'll see if it was he. I should be sorry if it were. The woman ran away and found her husband, who was lying moaning in the corner and had, a bro and had broken his leg. She carried him down, and with loud screams, she hastened the boy's father. Your boy, cried she, has been the cause of a great misfortune. He has thrown my husband down the steps and made him break his leg. Take the good-for-nothing fellow away from our house. The father was terrified and ran there and scolded the boy. What wicked tricks are these? said he. The devil must have put this into your head. Father, he replied, do listen to me. I am quite innocent. He was standing there by night like one who was intending to do some evil. I did not know who it was, and I warned him three times either to speak or to go away. Ah, said the father, I have nothing but unhappiness with you. Go out of my sight. I will see you no more. Yes, father, right willingly. Wait only until it is day. Then I will go forth and learn how to shudder. And then I shall, at any rate, understand one art which will support me. Learn what you will, said the father. It is all the same to me. There are fifty tailors for you. Take these and go into the wide world, and, and tell no one where you come or and who is your father, for I have reason to be ashamed of you. Yes, father, it shall be as you will. If you desire nothing more than that, I can easily keep it in mind. When day dawned, therefore, the boy put his fifty tailors in his into his pocket and went forth on the great highway, and continually said to himself, If I could shudder, if I could shudder, then a man approached to then a man approached to heard his conversation with the which the youth was holding with himself, and when they had walked a little farther to where they could see the gallows, the man said to him, Look, there is the tree where seven men have married the rope rope maker's daughter and are now learning how to fly. Sit down below it, and wait till night comes, and you will soon learn to shudder. If that, is all, if that is all that is wanted, answered the youth, it is easily done. But if I learn how to shudder as fast as that, you shall have my fifty tailors. Just come back to me early in the morning. Then the youth went to the gallows, sat down below it, and waited till evening came. And as he was cold, he lighted himself a fire, but at midnight the wind blew so sharply that in spite of his fire, he could not get warm. And as the wind knocked the hanged men against each other, and they moved backwards and forwards, he thought to himself, You shiver below by the fire, but how those up, how those up above must freeze and suffer. And as he felt pity for them, he raised the ladder, climbed up, unbound one of them after the other, and brought down all seven. They stirred the, stirred the fire, blew it, and set them all around it to warm themselves. But they sat there and did not stir, and the fire caught their clothes. So he said, Take care, or I'll hang you up again. The dead men, however, did not hear, but were quite silent, and, their, and let their rags go on burning. At this he grew angry and said, If you will not take care, I cannot help you. I will not be burnt with you. And hung them up again, each, again at each his own turn. Then he sat down by his fire and fell asleep. The next morning, and the next morning, the man came to him and wanted to have the fifty tailors and said, Well, do you know how to shudder? No, answered he. How was I to get to know? Those fellow up there did not open their mouths, and they were so stupid, they let the few old rags they had on their bodies get burnt. Then the man saw he would not get the fifty tailors that day, and went away saying, One of this kind has never come my way before.
The youth likewise went his the youth likewise went his way, and once more began to mutter himself, Ah, if I could but shudder, ah, if I could but shudder. A wagoner who was striding behind him heard that and said, Who are you? I don't know, answered the youth. Then the wagoner asked, From where do you come? I know not. Who is your father? That I may not tell you. What is it that you're always muttering between your teeth? Ah, replied the youth, I do so wish I could shudder, but no one can teach me how to do it. Give up your foolish chatter, said the wagoner. Come, go with me. I will see about a place for you. The youth went with the wagoner, and in the evening they arrived in an inn where they wished to pass the night. Then at the entrance of the room, the youth again said quite loudly, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. The host who heard this laughed and said, If that is your desire, there ought to be a good opportunity for you here. Ah, oh, be silent, said the hostess. So many inquisitive persons have already lost their lives. It would be a pity and a shame if such beautiful eyes as these should never see the daylight again. But the youth said, However difficult it may be, I will learn it, and for this purpose I have journeyed forth. He let the host have no rest until the latter told him that not far from, not far from there stood a haunted castle where anyone could very easily learn what shuddering was if he would but sleep in it for three nights. The king had promised that he who would venture should have his daughter as wife, and she was the most beautiful maiden the sun shone on. Great treasures likewise lay in the castle which were guarded by evil spirits, and these treasures would then be freed. It would make a poor man rich enough. Already many men have gone into the castle, but as yet none had come out again. Then the youth went the next morning to the king and said if he were allowed to, if he were it said if he were allowed he would watch three nights in the haunted house the haunted castle. <clears throat> the king looked at him and and as the youth pleased him he said, You may ask for three things to take into the castle with you, but they must be things without life. And he answered then I ask for a fire, a turning lath, and a cutting board with the knife. The king had these things carried into the castle for him during the day. When night was drawing near, the youth went up and made himself a bright fire in one of the rooms, placed the cutting board and knife beside it, and seated himself by the turning lath. Ah, if I could but shudder, said he, but I shall not learn it here either. Towards midnight he was about to poke his fire. And as he was blowing it, something cried suddenly from one corner, Ah, moi, how cold we are! You simpletons, cried he, what are you crying about? If you are cold, come and take a seat by the fire and warm yourselves. And when he had said that, two great black cats came with one tremendous leap and sat down on each side of him and looked savagely at him with their fiery eyes. After a short time, when they had warmed themselves, they said, Comrade, shall we have a game at cards? Why not? he replied. But just show me your paws. When they stretched out their claws, Oh, he said, what long nails you have. Wait, I must first cut them for you. Thereupon he sized them by the throats, put them on the cutting board, and screwed their feet fast. I have looked at your fingers, said he, and my fancy for card playing has gone. And he struck them dead and threw them out into the water. For when he had made away with those two and was about to sit down again by the fire, 
Out from every hole and every corner came black cats and black dogs with red hot chains, and more and more of them came that he could no longer stir. And they yelled horribly and gone as fire pulled it to pieces and tried to put it out. He watched them for a while quietly, but at last when they were going too far, he seized his cutting knife and cried, Away with ye, vermin! and began to cut them down. Part of them ran away, but the others he killed and threw them out into the fish pond. When he had came back, he fanned the embers of his fire again and warmed himself. And as he thus sat, his eyes would keep open no longer, and he felt the desire to sleep. And he looked around and saw a great big bed in the corner. That is the very thing for me, he said and got into it. When he was just going to shut his eyes, however, the bed began to move on its own accord and went over to hold the castle. That's right, he said he, but go faster. The bed rolled on as if six horses were harnessed up harnessed to it up and down over thresholds and steps. But suddenly hop hop it turned over upside down and lay on him like a mountain. But he threw quilts and pillows up in the air, got out and said, Now anyone who likes may drive and lay down by his fire to slept until it was day. In the morning the king came and when he saw him lying there on the ground, he thought the evil spirits had killed him and he was dead. They said, after all, it is a pity. He is a handsome man. The youth heard it, got up and said, it has not come to that yet. And the king was astonished, but very glad, and asked how he had fared. Very well indeed, answered he. One night is past. The other two, the two others will get over likewise. Then he went to, went to the innkeeper, who opened his eyes very wide and said, I never expected to see you alive again. Have you learned how to shudder yet? No, said he. It is all in vain, if someone would but tell me. The second night, he again went to the old castle, sat down by the fire, and once more began his old song. If I could but shudder. When midnight came, an uproar and noise of tumbling about was heard. At first it was low, but it grew louder and louder. Then it was quiet for a while, and at length, with a loud scream, half a man gained on a chimney and fell before him. Hello! cried he. Another half belongs to this. This is too little. And the uproar began again. There was a roaring and howling, and the other half fell down likewise. Wait, said the youth. I'll just blow up the fire a little for you. When he had done that and looked around again, two pieces were joined together, and a frightful man was sitting in his place. That is no part of our bargain, said the youth. The bench is mine. The man wanted to push him away. The youth, however, would not allow that, but thrust him off with all the strength and seated himself again in his own place. Then still more men fell down, one after the other, and they, and they brought up nine dead man's legs and two skulls, and set them up and played nine pins with them. The youth also wanted to play and said, Can I join you? Yes, if you have any money. Money enough, replied he, but your balls are not quite round. And he took the skulls and put them in a lathe and turned them until they were round. There, now, they'll roll better, he, said he. Hurrah, now it goes merrily. He played with them and lost some of his money. But when it struck twelve, everything vanished from his sight. He lay down and quietly fell asleep. Next morning, the king came to inquire after him. How has it fared with you this time? asked he. I've been playing at ninepins, he answered, and I've lost a couple of farthings. Have you not shuddered then? Eh, what? said he. I have made merry, if I did but know what it was to shudder. The third night he sat down again on his bench and said quite sadly, If I could but shudder. When it grew late, six tall men came in and brought a coffin. Then, said he, 
Haha, that is certainly my little cousin who died only a few days ago. And he beckoned with his little finger and cried, Come, little cousin, come. They placed the coffin on the ground, but he went to it and took the lid off, and a dead man lay therein. He fell his face, but it was cold as ice. Stop, said he. I will warm you a little. And went to the fire and warmed his hand and laid it on the cold man's face, but he remained cold. They took him out and sat down by the fire and laid him on his breast and rubbed his arms until the blood might circulate again. As this also did no good, he thought to himself, when two people lie in bed together, they warm each other, and carried him to the bed, covered him over, and lay down by him. After a short time, the dead man became warm too and began to move. Then said the youth, See, little cousin, have I not warmed you? The dead man, however, got up and cried, Now I will strangle you. What? said he. Is that the way you thank me? You shall once go into your coffin again. And he took him up, threw him into it, and shut the lid. Then came the sixth man and carried him away again. I cannot manage to shudder, said he. I shall never learn it here as long as I live. Then a man entered who was taller than all the others and looked terrible. He was old, however, and had a long white beard. You wretch, cried he. You shall soon learn what it is to shudder, for you shall die. Not so fast, replied the youth. If I am to die, I shall have to have a say in it. I will soon seize you, said the fiend. Softly, softly, do not talk so big. I am as strong as you are, perhaps even stronger. We shall see, said the old man. If you are stronger, I will let you go. Come, we will try. And he led him by dark passages to a smith's forge, took an axe, and with one blow struck an anvil into the ground. I can do better than that, said the youth, and went to the other anvil. The old man placed himself near and wanted to look on, and his white beard hung down. Then the youth seized the axe, split the anvil with one blow, and struck the old man's beard with it. Now I have you, said the youth. Now it is you who will have to die. And he seized an iron bar and beat the old man till he moaned and entreated him to stop, and he would give him great riches. The youth drew out the axe and let him go. The old man led him back to the castle, and the seller showed him three chests full of gold. Of these, said he, one part is for the poor, the other for the king, the third is yours. In the meantime, it struck twelve, and the spirit disappeared. The youth, therefore, was left in the darkness. I shall still be able to find my way out, said he. He felt about and found a way into the room, and slept there by his fire. Next morning, king came and said, Now you must have learned what shuddering is? No, he answered. What can it be? My dead cousin was here. And a bearded man came and showed me a great deal of money down below, but no one told me what it was to shudder. Then, said the king, you have delivered the castle from enchantment, and shall marry my daughter. That is all very well, said he, but I still do not know what it is to shudder. And the gold was brought up in the wedding celebrated, but however much the young king loved his wife, and however happy he was, he still always said, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. And at last she was angry at this. A waiting maid said, I will find a cure for him. He shall soon learn what it is to shudder. She out of the stream, which flowed through the garden, and had a whole bucket full of, gr of gudgeons brought to her. At night, when the young king was sleeping, his wife was to draw the clothes off of him and empty the bucket full of cold water with the gudgeons in over him, so the little fishes would sprawl about him. When this was done, he woke up and cried, Oh, what makes me shudder so? What makes me shudder so, dear wife? Ah! Now I know what it is to shudder. 
So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys, uh, enjoyed this. So, uh, yeah, bye. Legendary Emo Dragon Show!